Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Film Ruminations podcast. My name is Jason, and I am here to bring you part two of our 31 Days of Horror. So, uh, I had a few, um, we'll call them low-budget films, come across my desk from the Warner Archive that I threw in here. They're kind of borderline, not horror so much, but since sci-fi and horror often get bandied together, we'll go ahead and just include them in here. The first was The Swarm, and this is a film from 1978. It is about bees. For more than 20 years, scientists have known that a swarm of killer bees has been headed towards the United States. Now, Warner Brothers presents Irwin Allen's The Swarm. We have visual contact. Identify a black mass here, a moving black mass. We have been invaded by an enemy far more lethal than any human force. Starring Michael Caine, Catherine Ross, Richard Widmark, Richard Chamberlain, Olivia de Havilland, Ben Johnson, Lee Grant, Jose Ferrer, Patty Duke Aston, Slim Pickens, Bradford Dillman, Fred McMurray, and Henry Fonda. A story of courage and sacrifice. since the 30s when families by the thousands fled the Oklahoma Dust Bowl has a thriving American community had to be totally evacuated until today. Its size is immeasurable. Its power is limitless. Its enemy is man. The war that I've always talked about has finally started. Mile by mile, city by city moves, leaving in its wake a path of destruction. When are we going to stop this massacre? Irwin Allen's The Swarm. It is more than speculation. It is a prediction. The Swarm is coming. Uh, lots and lots and lots of bees. I have here the scientist Dr. Bradford Crane, an Army general... Thalius Slater joined forces to fight an almost invisible enemy threatening America. Killer bees that have deadly venom at, and attack without reason. Disaster movie master Irwin Allen's film contains spectacular special effects, including a train crash caused by the eponymous swarm. There's a few things that um, need to be addressed here. First off, the movie is very, very bad. Um, calling it a bee film while incredibly well an incredibly easy pun to make and that's not even without even trying uh, I, I certainly did not intend it uh, it is a b grade film if you will it's awfully bad uh, and it's very possible that Irwin Allen uh, won a bet because I cannot see a reason why we'd have so many people in here the uh, trailer mentioned some of these but we have michael kane richard chamberlain henry fonda's in it olivia de Havilland, ben johnson patty duke's in it for a moment jose ferrier Lynn pickens i mean it's not a good movie it's it's fun to watch and and you could have a good time doing it it seems like it's 14 hours long um i'm fairly confident that that's not the case but it's now available it looks tremendous uh the effects actually hold on a second maybe this time it doesn't look tremendous the picture quality is great. The quality of the special effects is kind of subpar. Well, it'll be kind. It's kind of subpar. Uh, you would certainly find better. It's better than the next movie we're going to talk about. Um, and then the one after that as well. I guess of the next three movies, uh, it, it's the best of them. Better ways to spend your time. There's worse ways. So take that for what it is worth. The... Next film that I had watched, also from the Warner Archive, is a little film called Queen of Outer Space, starring Zsa Zsa Gabor.
voyages to the outer universe a reality. Satellite space stations in operation for landing and refueling. Apparently, we have some deadly neighbors now to space. Captain, it's heading toward us. And now, the story of the fantastic adventure that befalls mankind's most daring crew of space explorers. The sound. Not even the hum of an insect. Is this a dead planet? Landing on an unknown planet, they are captured by long-limbed beauties. When they say, take me to your leader, and they take them to a creature like this, you know they're on planet Venus. And the queen of outer space is Jaja Gabor. The most talked about woman in the world knows what she wants on Venus, too. Then we're the only men on the whole planet? Wow. You'll see the revolt that brings the planet under the domination of strangely masked females who hate and fear the male animal. Let me kill her now. You're not only a queen, you're a woman too. Let me see your face. The savage horrors of fearsome mutated beasts. <coughs> the war of the sexes, when voluptuous Venusians give battle to spacemen from Earth. The destructive might of incredible space rays that stop man from returning to Earth. Prepare for maximum acceleration. Mission to Venus discovers a planet inhabited only by women, led by their evil queen, Yolana. Yolana had all of the men of Venus killed. Now that she's met Earthmen, she wants them dead too. This, this plays out like a lost and bad episode of Star Trek. The effects are just, they're low budget, but they're kind of beyond low budget. Um, they might have even filmed in a Star Trek set. The costumes are, are fabulous. Everything that they have is, everything that the women are wearing is, is gorgeous and beautiful. And I feel like that might be where they spent all their money because they certainly didn't spend it on anything else. So that is Queen of Outer Space. The good news is it's 80 minutes long. So it's a, it's a two-part episode of Star Trek. All right, next up after the Queen of Outer Space, we have the 1957 film, The Cyclops. <laughs> beautiful woman and three adventurers dare to challenge the unknown in a land where life and love is ruled by the Lord of Nightmares, the Cyclops. Susan! Susan, it's me, Russ! What happened? How did you get here? Their fate rests in the death-defying courage of a beautiful girl. My name is Susan. Susan Winters. He's looking at her. Can you hear me? Here is nature gone mad, revealing an unbelievable world of terror, a world mastered by a monstrous mutation, the spawn of nuclear fury. Here is a weird, suspense-filled journey that hurtles you into the most frightening adventure the screen has ever shown. This is an instance with it, the uh, movie poster vastly outweighs the, the value of the film itself. It is an absolutely gorgeous poster for an acceptable movie. Uh, the back here says a test pilot is missing and the search party is sent out to the jungles of Mexico. However, while searching, they uncover a monster in the jungle 
who we came this way due to a dose of radioactivity. I think that the most important thing out of this film is that you have Lon Chaney Jr. not in makeup. And while I don't really want to say that he's the highlight of it, he might be the highlight of it. The makeup is pretty good. They could not, for the life of them, figure out how to get, like, a blue screen to work. You can see there. there's some fights with gigantic scorpions that you can see our heroes behind, even though the scorpion's in front of them. So it's it's not... Um, it's a little translucent. It is a, a B feature, period, uh, plain and simple. Little There's little to gain from watching it. It's, it's fine. It's not bad. Maybe, maybe it maybe it is bad. Uh, it's it's worth it. If Warner Archive, like they always do, uh, went above and beyond, and it does look good, even though it is not great. I have very recently found uh, James Wan, who I don't know why I was unfamiliar with him before, why I skipped his movies. I don't know, but I've been catching up. Uh, a couple months ago, I watched The Conjuring and Annabelle, and really enjoyed him. I finally had a chance to check out The Conjuring 2. This is my home. Get out now. No, this is not your house. Now, what's your name? My name is Bill Wilkins, and I'm 72 years old. What do you make of that voice? Sounds confused. Do you see now? The voice on this tape is coming from an 11-year-old girl. They're calling it England's Amityville. There is a family that desperately needs our help. After everything we've seen, there isn't much that rattles either of us anymore. But this one, this one still haunts me. Does it feel like the voice is coming from inside you? More like it's coming from behind me. Like I'm being used. Janet, are you all right? Stop calling me Janet. She's such a good girl. What's there wrong with her? An oppressing spirit will try to force you to commit the ultimate sin. And what's that? Murder? Suicide? Or both? You believe us, don't you? Sensing a presence? I'm not sensing anything. All I can sense is their own fear. You're bleeding. What is happening? I had a premonition of your death. Who's that? The family's just a pawn. Something inhuman wants to kill you. If we keep doing this... You're going to die. From the description here, the next true story from the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Lorraine and Ed Warren traveled to North London to help a single mother raising four children alone in a house plagued by malicious spirits. This uh, was from two years ago, 2016, and I, I am a big fan of The Conjuring. I really enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed The Conjuring 2 a little bit better. Maybe it's because they had their feet under them, they, they had experience in the characters, and that's saying nothing ill about part one this one was just felt better you know in the effects were equally good between the two but i think there was just a little more to this one a little more human in this one than uh than the first one continuing my james wan experience was uh insidious Ready? Yeah. 
gonna bother us. Not anymore. We have our son back. We are a family again. Voices in the hallway. Is there something wrong with Daddy, Mom? Whatever it was that was haunting my family, it's not done with us. to get our son back and something evil followed me. Get out of my head! There's someone standing in front of you. He's talking to you. What's he saying? He's got your baby. 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 So Insidious One, here on the back, uh, it's not the house that's haunted. A family discovers that dark spirits have invaded their home after their son inexplicably falls into an endless sleep. When they reach out to a professional for help, they learn things that are a lot more personal than they thought. I am a fan of this movie. Uh, watching Patrick Wilson in the opposite part of what he was in the first one, with Lynn Shea playing the... Uh, the part of like Ed Warren uh, or Lorraine Warren um, role in the picture. It was really quite interesting just to see him as the, the skeptic, the one that cannot actively see what's happening while his wife, uh, played by Rose Byrne, watches this happening to their son and watching this happen in the house while he's away um, at work is just, it's just really enjoyable and is a very entertaining haunted house movie, even though, like it says in the box, it's not the house. But that's neither here nor there. And then Insidious Chapter 2. On the box, it got, uh, uh, It will take what you love most. The haunted Lambert family seeks to uncover the mysterious childhood secret 
that has left them dangerously connected to the spirit world. I don't want to spend too much time on this one. It's equally as good as the previous one. Ooh, considering modern horror films uh, series, it's very possible to equate quality with what came before them. And I'm not talking about it for this Insidious um, Part 1. But I'm thinking about the Friday the 13th films. You know, the first one's great. The second one is go very good. The third one is all right. And it just kind of trails off. And all they're trying to do is outdo themselves. But they it's the same formulaic story. I, and I don't want to suggest that Insidious breaks away from the, the formula. But this is more a statement on the quality of the film itself. It does not lack. Now I have not watched uh, three or four yet. They're in my queue. Um, so I, I don't know if this kind of starts to go to the wayside when James Wan leaves. I'm not sure. We'll find out eventually. Based just on uh, one and two, I imagine that I will be a fan of the Insidious film for some time to come. Now, speaking about old films and their sequels in the previous episode, I mentioned that I went with some friends to watch the original 1978 Halloween in the theater. I went with those friends again to watch Halloween 2018. I've waited for him. Testing one, two, three. We're on. We're here to investigate a patient that killed three innocent teenagers on a Halloween in 1978. He was shot by his own psychiatrist and taken into custody that night and has spent the last 40 years in captivity. Hello, Michael. I have something you might like to see. <laughs> Everyone in my family like turns into a nutcase this time of year. Yeah, I mean your grandmother is Lori Strode. She was almost murdered. Wasn't it her brother who murdered all those babysitters? No, it was not her brother. That's something that people made up. Do you know that I pray every night that he would escape? What the hell did you do that for? So I can kill him. Dad, look out! The bus crashed. Mom, what bus crashed? Michael escaped. Excuse me, somebody's in here. Hello? for this night. He's waited for me. I've waited for him. Get out! Go home! Get inside! You don't believe in the boogeyman. He's here! Michael! You should. Can you close the closet door? talk too much about this it's still way too fresh it's way too available for anybody to see and i i want everybody to have that opportunity and uh, i don't want to spoil anything at all it's it's great uh in my opinion if you're looking for something fresh and new it's halloween you're not going to get a whole lot that is new obviously it's a it's a new story it's a new chapter it's it's interesting how they chose to bypass the other sequels. You get some new and uh, wildly violent kills, and that, I suppose, is the entire theme of the slasher genre. So they executed that incredibly well. They executed the entire thing incredibly well. 
since I've seen the first one so many times and I've seen the sequels several times, I think that I'm going to need to watch this one quite a few more times before I can really elaborate too deeply on my feelings because I don't know all of my feelings yet. That was uh, the 2018 Halloween. Next up, I went back to one of the possibly best vampire movies of all time, Fright Night from 1985. What would you do if you accidentally discovered the house next door was occupied by something not human? Something horrifying. Something unspeakably evil. No one believes you. Mom, I didn't have a nightmare. Not your mom. They did kill a girl over there. Not your girlfriend. Charlie, is this some sort of a trick to get me back? Not even the police. Look, I know it's crazy. I know that, but look, Lieutenant! It knows that you know. You'll do anything to protect yourself. But it will do anything to protect its secret. This could be the night of your life. There are some very good reasons to be afraid of the dark. Nobody believes teenager Charlie Brewster when he discovers that his suave new neighbor, Jerry Dandridge, is a vampire. So when the bloodsucker starts stalking Charlie, he turns to has-been actor Peter Vincent, famed for portraying a ghoul hunter. Unfortunately for the would-be vampire slayers, Dangerich has set his sights on Charlie's girlfriend. The film stars Chris Sarandon um, as uh, Dangerich, uh, Amanda Beers, who you should remember from Married with Children, and uh, the masterful Roddy McDowell as Peter Vincent. I don't even know where to start with this movie. I think everybody should watch it. It's it's just it's always been an important movie to me. Um, I, I feel like I should watch it more frequently. It's It's been several years, and that's why I wanted to dust this one off. But unlike a lot of vampire movies, it does not take itself seriously. It, it knows what it is, and it just tries to make itself the best version that it can without trying to go too deep into backstory and making it a big old romantic, like Bram Stoker's Dracula, which masterpiece, don't mis uh, don't misjudge that. But just jumps right in there is is a great vampire movie. There's um, there's a lot of examples of vampire movies that are not that great. This is not one of them at all. Next up, we have a first time watch for me, and a film that I imagine will go directly into my um, Halloween watch queue every year, and that's the Autopsy of Jane Doe. Cloth. 
Dad? No one could see what we have seen. Everybody has a secret. Father and son coroners receive a mysterious, unidentified corpse with no apparent cause of death. As they attempt to examine the beautiful young Jane Doe, they discover increasingly bizarre clues that hold a key to her terrifying secret. This is my first time watching this. It's a 2016 movie, so it's, it's not old. It's, but it uh, stars one of my favorites, Brian Cox. Uh, very few other people. It's a brisk 86 minutes for the first half hour you wonder how they could possibly make a feature-length film things start to get twisted and it's just a great horror movie and i'm i'm sad that i didn't see it in a in a theater with a bunch of other people getting scared because it scared the, the cruds out of me like i said it's going to be in my rotation and i am glad to have it there one other thing of note in uh, the review i put up on letterbox is this movie is one of the most original horror movies that I can recall seeing in quite some time. It had some it had some standard twists, but the the big reveal twist is brand new. It's brand new to me. The next one we have here is one of the few remaining John Carpenter films I had not seen until now. It is 1993's Body Bags. From John Carpenter. Something's coming. Maybe I'll see you around. I see things. I think maybe I can help you. Something strange. Weird. Gruesome. Painful sex. Yes, yes! When can we do it? Something shocking. <laughs> Your brains are the only food on which we can thrive. <laughs> what have you done to me? Something terrifying. I have to finish digging your grave. John Carpenter presents Body Bags. Zip yourself in tight. Three tales, each more terrifying than the last. A woman is stalked by an axe-wielding maniac. A man who pays the ultimate price for a beautiful head of hair and a vision of life seen through the eyes of a killer. This is not going to go down as one of my favorite John Carpenter films. The first story about the woman at the gas station was good. It played out like a slasher film. The second one about Daisy Keach getting the uh, hair treatment was creepy and gross and I don't care for seeing that one again the third one starring Mark Hamill was a lot better than I would have expected out the gate I don't want to spoil anything about it because it's it's a that one is kind of worth the price of admission again it's not going to be my favorite Carpenter film I don't know how frequently I want to go back to it next up we have a few zombie films I watched uh, a quick double feature of Return of the Living Dead and Return of the Living Dead 2 the first, Return of the Living Dead, was from 1985, directed by Dan O'Bannon. In the dark of the night, something strange is going on. is how do we get them back into the ground? 
problem. Four left. Ten right. Because technically, you're not alive. Why do you eat people? Not people. Brains. How do you kill something that's already dead? Well, how do I know, Fred? I don't know. Let me think. It's not a bad question, Bert. In that movie, they destroyed your brain to kill him. Is that what they did? The brains, right. Brains. is nervous. Usual crap. The police are confused. Send more cops. It worked in the movie. Well, it ain't working now. In the movie line. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. It's not a bad question, Bert. The return. Of the living dead. They're back from the grave and ready to party when a bumbling pair of employees at a medical supply warehouse accidentally release a deadly gas into the air. Vapors cause the dead to reanimate as they go on a rampage seeking their favorite food brains. This uh, was one of the early. VHS boxes that always intrigued me. I remember watching the movie many, many, many years ago. And a young, very young Jason really enjoyed the, the punk aspects of it and the violence and gore. But I returned to it when um, Shot Factory put out their edition a couple years ago. And it's, it's still good. It's not great. It's absolutely worth the time. I followed that up with Return of the Living Dead 2. A deadly experiment. A freak accident. A secret that will be carried to the grave as the horror classic is reborn. Return of the Living Dead, Part 2. Jesse will be the first to know. Billy will be the first to go. We've got to get out of here. Get to our phone. Seven of the Living. Against an army of the dead. Starved for life. safe to be dead. Just when you thought it was safe to be dead, a group of kids discover one of the drums containing a rotting corpse and release the 245 trioxin gas into the air, causing the dead to once again rise from the grave and seek out brains. Well, this movie is just bad on so many levels. I don't even want to spend too much time um, reconsidering it, maybe ever. Uh, part three is pretty good. Part two, it's it, it's the same movie that you just watched if you watch them back to back. It's very sad. James Karen plays Ed in this one, and it was oh, I can't remember his character's name in the, in the previous one. They're back in their grave robbers 
but they're not the same characters. It's confusing, and it's not worth the time that I'm spending right now trying to remember how they're related. This is another one, like Cyclops, where the poster is an absolute failure for the, the moviegoer, because the poster is amazing. The VHS box art was amazing. It is a liar of artwork when you think about what's on the other side of it. We have one more first-time watch before we get into the final two of the month, and that was 1957's Night of the Demon. Professor Harrington was electrocuted. Somehow his car ran into a power line outside his house. It was a terrible accident. He... He must have died instantly. What is this? Oh, these are part of O'Brien's research, which is tied up with the Carswell Devil Cult investigation. Egyptian Seth Typhon, Persian Asmodeus. I have what is perhaps the finest library in the world on witchcraft and the black arts. You know my name? Oh, yes. And you know mine. I'm Julian Carswell. What is this twilight, this half-world of the mind that you profess to know so much about? How can we differentiate between the powers of darkness and the powers of the mind? I have an imagination like anyone else. It's easy to see a demon in every dark corner. I refuse to let this thing take possession of my good senses. If this world is ruled by demons and monsters, we may as well give up right now. the curse. America professor John Holden arrives in London for a conference on parapsychology only to discover that the colleague he was supposed to meet was killed in a freak accident the day before. It turns out that the deceased had been investigating a cult led by Dr. Julian Carswell. Though a skeptic, Holden is suspicious of the devil-worshipping Carswell. Following a trail of mysterious manuscripts, Holden enters the world and makes him question his faith in science. I don't believe that I knew that this movie was a thing until Indicator put this up on their site and uh, I saw how excited everybody was and I wanted to be excited too. And I can tell you this, if you have a chance to get that Indicator box set, I would absolutely get it right this second. And it's one movie, but I, I would consider it a box set because it's four different cuts of the film and it has hours and hours and hours of special features that I, I kind of dipped my, my toes into, but I didn't get too far. Um, I kind of want to save those. I don't really like to go into special features immediately after watching a movie anyways, because I don't want to spoil any of the joy. I mean, it's a very, very fine film that's by Jacques Tournier, who did Cat People a couple uh, years before that, and uh, films like I Walked With a Zombie and The Leopard Man. He, this is his bag, and he knows what he's doing, and he does it very well. It has great special effects being 1957. It has great prosthetic and costume design, even though it was of the demon itself, even though that was kind of added in later, kind of against his will. But it's it's definitely a, a release that might make it on the list for the rest of the year. I have a lot of thinking to do. The last two films from the, the month, from the uh, 31 Days of Halloween, um, are two that I've seen dozens of times. They're two that I've had releases of in VHS and DVD and Blu-ray and uh, one in 4K. And I can go back to them time and time again. The first, I was so great. Fathom Events screened the MoMA uh, restoration of Night of the Living Dead. Welcome to a night of total terror. Ah! 
Night of the living dead. The dead who live on living flesh. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. adventure in fear, an experience in shock more shattering than your strangest nightmare, night of the living dead, a night with the dead who cannot die, a night of total terror. of the living dead this movie i've written at length of on this movie on uh, uh film ruminations the the blog the first few times that i watched the movie i i enjoyed it but it didn't click and it, it, i i recognized it as a seminal picture in horror films but when you're a young kid you know the the the, the aspect of it being important to the future of movies doesn't really do anything for you. When you see a low-budget film in black and white as a kid on PBS when you're supposed to be sleeping and everybody else is, and you watch it and it scares you because it's a scary movie, but you can see how old it is in so many different places. But this uh, this is a movie that's definitely going to be on, on the... Uh, best of the year from Criterion Collection. To any horror fan, to any film fan, I think that this is a essential film to have on your shelf. And the final film that I watched gratefully in the theater was 1978's Dawn of the Dead. In 1968, George Romero brought us Night of the Living Dead. It became the classic horror film of its time. Now, George Romero brings us the most intensely shocking motion picture experience for all times. It gets up and kills. The people it kills get up and kill. This situation must be controlled before it's too late. They are multiplying too rapidly. Dawn of the Dead. Meet me on the roof at 9 o'clock. Get out. I don't believe We're it. We're going to get out in the chopper. We've got to survive. Somebody's got to survive. They kill for one reason. They kill for food. They eat their victims. Imagine, if you will, that something has gone terribly wrong. Shoot it, man. Now, accept the fact that there's no escaping the horrible consequences. George Romero brings back the dead. Night of the Living Dead has ended. Dawn of the Dead is here. We must not be lulled by the concept that these are our family members or our friends. They are not. They will not respond to such emotions. Operator dead. Post abandoned. We may never get out of the line. It's everywhere. What the hell is it? Looks like a shopping center, one of those big indoor malls. What are they doing? Why do they come here? Some kind of instinct, memory, what they used to do. This was an important place in their lives. We've got a war. I'm afraid. We have spawned our own savagery. Soon, it will consume us all. It is a horrible, hauntingly accurate vision of the mindless excesses of a society gone mad. We are down to the line, folks. We are down to the line. Dawn of the dead.
also by George A. Romero, which I don't think I said about Night of the Living Dead. I saw the 3D uh, version, um, and it's fine. It, the 3D was actually a lot better than I expected, which unfortunately made the picture pretty dark just to get the shadow play. But it was to, to be able to see the movie that I've probably seen second to the most times in my life, to see it on the screen in a theater with a couple dozen people was a very important part of my film going in life just because of how much I love this movie. It has meant the world to me and that's that's in the essay and I, and I would uh, obviously I'm going to recommend that you go and read something on my website because that's just but it's I think I go into why there pretty well and short of just rereading that to you now I would just point you that way this is a movie that well it was the first really really gory splatter fest movie that I ever watched and it's always going to have a special place in my heart for that so if you ever have a chance to see it on the big screen I would recommend it the 3d like I had mentioned is a lot better is a lot better than I expected and there are a few moments where it's it makes you jump not not in you know fright but in uh, that awesome thrill that you get from 3d so that is the wrap of our 31 days of Halloween as much as I love horror films and watching them and enjoying them and loving them I am ready to watch something that is a classic drama of some sorts obviously the first thing I watched was Suspiria which I wrote about on the website and I wish that that had come out in October so I can comfortably talk about it here so I would like to thank each uh, and every one of you who has listened and continues to listen and subscribes and I really appreciate that I appreciate knowing that there are people out there that listen to this and it's not just something for me to do but it hopefully will direct you towards some pretty decent movies and maybe even away from some that are not as great but the next episode is going to be about the violent years from agfa thank you very much again and i hope you enjoyed this episode thank you